0: Well, I'm so glad to be here today, and I am thrilled that we have these students over here in the room. What do you think, everybody? Don't you appreciate the fact that they're here? That's great. And I want you to know you have an open invitation every week. We'll save this section for you every single week, right? And it'll be important that you know that you're very welcome here. Let me also say this, that I've been to camp an awful lot, many, many times over the years. Let me say, this will be the most comfortable seat with the coolest air conditioner you'll have all week long. Now, we know there are air conditioners there at camp, but the seats aren't quite as nice. But I'll tell you, you're going to have a blast. You're have incredible speakers, incredible worship. And uh, this is kind of the kickoff for all that. And uh, immediately after our services, you'll be getting on these huge buses and heading out to camp. And our prayers are with you. Hope you feel that already. Very, very important that you do. Today, before I begin my message, I want to uh, spend a few moments talking about Six Stones and the new executive director there, Jennifer Leaney. So I want to ask Jennifer to come to the stage. And would you welcome Jennifer to our services today?
1: Hello. Good morning.
0: Jennifer has been with Six Stones now six months since February, and. Um, She's done a phenomenal job. Uh, She's an incredible leader to work with. She has already captured the hearts of many pastors and church leaders all across our community. And and of course, her staff team loves her. The board loves her. And uh, we've just so enjoyed uh, the transition and all that she's brought to it. Incredible enthusiasm, incredible passion, and a love to share Jesus with people. And I said, I wanted you to know her. She's been in a few connection classes, but we wanted you to know who Jennifer is and and what she does. So Jennifer, I want to ask you a question that I'm sure everybody wonders. What did you find when you came to Six Stone? What does it look like from day one?
1: So first of all, it's a good year in a series called Generosity because I see an amazing church, an amazing generous church that poured into the community. So today was my first time to this service. I came up and a gentleman named Stanley met me in the parking lot and he gave me this cross. I mean, he doesn't know me. He says, have you ever been here before? No, I've never been to service. He just gives me this and he made this out of horse nails and just said, I wanna bless you with this. So starting from the greeter, you guys are generous. Your pastor, yes, clap for Stanley. He's if he's in here, Stanley. I don't know if you're in here, but you guys probably see him every day when you come or every Sunday when you come to church. So your pastor, amazingly generous. He starts without with amazingly generous words. Uh, any introduction I hear him give, or speaking life to somebody, and he just pours in, spending time with people. I know he spends time with you guys because he knows your names. He knows your kids' names. He knows you've been on vacation. I think he probably even knows your pets' names. Very generous with his time. And then finances. Same with the church. You guys invested into six stones. Six million dollars in debt. And then you invested into six stones. What you guys have done is truly amazing. So I stand on the shoulders of what you guys started. When John... Commissioned Scott Shepard um, to start Six Stones and then everything that came from that. I mean, I also see amazing favor. So starting with this church and then other churches, we've got over 50 church partners that are leaning into Six Stones and then the cities. So we've got the cities of Hearst, Euless, Grapevine, Bedford. I mean, they lean in and when we have that CPR program, they pay for a lot of it. I mean, that is really amazing. That is favor. And then also the school districts. So we're working with. The School districts, and as you know, we go into the schools, we get to share the gospel in the schools. I don't, I've never heard of that anywhere. Talk about favor, and then individuals and businesses. So I see so much favor. And the thing I would add to that is when I see favor, you know, favor always comes with a purpose. So favor is not just given for six stones to sit over there, right? So there is a purpose with that. So I see this huge, it's a it's really a responsibility. And I was reading in Luke 12 48 to those who much has been been given much is required, mm. Mm. so I'll say it a different way to those who've been given much is expected. So I I feel a burden and a burden I'm excited about because there's so many new and exciting things that we are going to do, but God has blessed me personally to be able to be standing here on this stage. I realize that I am so blessed and excited to be here, but Six Stones has so much favor. There is so much more we wanna do in the community. Transformation, and it starts because of you guys being so generous.
0: Thank you, Jennifer, and we are thankful for our congregation and being able to invest over the years the way you have, amen. It's a story that we tell all the time. But you know, running an organization like Six Stones has challenges, so what are the challenges that are ahead of you?
1: Yes, absolutely. So one of the biggest challenges is I wish every church was as generous as you guys are. You guys are generous with your time and volunteers and money. So one of the things that I see for six stones to get to the vision that I believe that God has given me is all the churches need to plug in. If they did that, just a fraction of what you guys did, it'd be good. So sometimes I'm out in the community and the churches will say, well, Jennifer, you're a ministry of cross cities. And sometimes they'll say first you list because some people will always say first you list. Um, but so you don't need my help and I say that is absolutely not true. We need all the churches plugged in because what I see coming in, we've got all these lost and broken people that are coming into Six Stones on one hand and then we've got the churches and the cities and the schools and the businesses and all this favor on the other side. We need a better way to put those two together and we know that we, the more we help people physically, the more we can open the door wide for Jesus spiritually and I see it, I see it every single day when I'm over there. The more we feed, the more we clothe, right? Jesus' name gets brought up. And they even if we don't at first say Jesus, they know that there's light in us. They see something in us. And they start asking the questions. So we want the churches to pour in. We want the churches to be the hope builders with us. Hope builder is the new name for counselors. So we've turned that because everything we do, we want to build hope. From the client, the guests walking the door, to the volunteers, to the donors, we're supposed to build hope in everybody, everybody coming through. So we want the churches to plug in because there's a lot of people in need in HEB and beyond. So that's what we're going to do.
0: Some things are coming up, so what are the next events?
1: Absolutely, so our next biggest event is um, Back to School, Operation Back to School. It is on August 10th, and I'm excited to see all these kids here. I was actually praying for all the kids that come to our Back to School event. We will serve about 4,300 kids with backpacks, school supplies, giving them the feeling of dignity that they can start the school year on an even playing field. But I was praying when we were praying that a lot of the kids that we serve, they're, they're the kids on the free and reduced lunch program, as you probably know, they are not as blessed as a lot of us here. And a lot of times their parents are working two jobs, trying to make ends meet, so they don't have time to take them to church. I was thinking about when I met Jack and Tammy from Beach Club, Kids Beach Club, wouldn't it be great if all the 4,300 kids coming to Six Stones in need of help would be plugged in there, would be plugged into your youth groups, who would be able to go to camp. A lot of the families just do not have the funds to go to camp, so it is an honor and a blessing. So that's what my prayer is, so add that to your prayer, List, you can go to our website
0: and sign up to volunteer online as well. Thank you, Jennifer. Would you uh, thank her for being here today? Thank you so much. Well, rarely will you ever meet a more enthusiastic leader for the organization. Amen? But don't you love it? Needs it, needs it all the time. If you have your Bibles this morning, would you please take them and turn to Malachi chapter 3 in the Old Testament? Malachi chapter 3, uh, over here, if you have uh, no Bible with you underneath the seats. There are some different places for you to pick up a Bible. Reach under there. Malachi chapter 3. Get out your iPhone, get out your tablet, whatever it takes to get to the Word of God today. Malachi, the last book in the Old Testament, beginning in chapter 3, verse 7. Let's stand together for just a moment as I read this amazing text. And the title today is The Economy of Generosity. The Economy of Generosity. What does it mean to be generous? Why do we do it? How do we go about that? Uh, next week, we're going to be looking at something that we don't often get to look at, and that is, who is it that benefits from your generosity? Who is it that actually is the recipient of that? How are lives changed? Because somebody else is generous. Now, let me just say this as we begin to get into the Word. It's amazing to me that God has placed each one of us uniquely on a planet with a purpose and with a plan. No matter how old we are, no matter how long we've been on earth, no matter how many jobs we've had or uh, our education or lack thereof, God's got an incredible plan. And that incredible plan involves every aspect of our life. Nobody will ever care for you like God will care for you. No one will ever have a purpose for you like God will have a purpose for you. And God had a purpose for his people in the Old Testament. And here's what they had done. They had turned away from that purpose. So Malachi is a prophet that calls them back. You know, we need people to call us back from time to time. We need people to call us back to God, back to the important things, back to priorities. And that's what this prophet Malachi did. Verse 7 of chapter 3. From the days of your fathers you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you. I hope that phrase echoes in your mind all week long. Return to me, and I'll return to you says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? And among many other things he addresses, he addresses in verse eight, an aspect of their generosity. Here's what he says. Well, a man robbed God, and yet you're robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you, God? In tithes and offerings, he responds. You are cursed with a curse, for you're robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house and test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open... For you, the windows of heaven, and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. Then I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of the ground, nor will your vine in the field cast its grapes, says the Lord of hosts. All the nations will call you blessed. Notice that. Everyone around you is going to look at your life and say something about that person, something about those people is blessed, for you shall be in a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. We want to be blessed by God. We want to walk in blessing today, and Malachi helps us get there. Father, in Jesus' name, speak to us by the power of your Holy Spirit through the Word, which you have inspired for this purpose today. We ask this in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. Amen. Be seated if you would. Sometimes someone has to call us back. Sometimes we have to find out what we're doing wrong before we can find out what we must do right. I remember growing up uh, in athletics, and I remember having coach after coach after coach that could say to me in any given moment, you're not running the play right. You're not shooting the ball correctly from the free throw line. You're not throwing the football or catching the football right. You're not blocking well. You're not running the right route. And over and over, I learned eventually when someone was pointing out what I was doing wrong, the purpose of it was to help me to do it Right. We all need coaches like that in our lives, don't we? But what we really need is the ability to listen to God, who directs us in the things that are best. So here is a prophet of God, Malachi, who is speaking to a group of people and he's pointing out their wrong in order to get them to the right place. And over the whole book, he names several things. And so this is not just about giving or tithing, but it's about a number of things. For example, he says, you're ignoring God in your worship. You're not worshiping him. You're worshiping yourself or your possessions. He says, you're not treating the word with respect. You allow false teachers in your life and you're not even really sure what God says, even though you have God's word in front of you. I have that against you. And then he says, you're not treating relationships right. Marriages are not being upheld. Relationships with each other are not being honored. And I have that against you as well, God says to these people. And then he says, above all that, when things aren't going well for you, you question God's character. You say, does God not love us? Does God not care about us? Why are things not going better? And then he gets into the page we looked at a moment ago. In addition to that, you're withholding your offerings from me. You're not giving a part of what I've blessed you with to me. And here's the solution to all that. And all those wrongs, God comes to them and says, here's the answer. Three words, return to me. Say those three words with me. Return to me. A little louder. Return to me. This is God. Me is God. The prophet says, here's what God is saying to you. A prophet always spoke for God. The mouthpiece for God. And here's what he says. God says to this people and to us, return to me. You can't get any more personal than that. Than the almighty sovereign God of the universe looking at his people, looking at people everywhere and saying, return to me. We get the word revival from this. We get the word renewal from this. We get the word uh, of, of, of renewing our commitment to God, rededicating our life to God. We get them from those three words, return to me. And it's an incredible invitation that God gives to all of us today. Return to me. If you remember nothing else this week, remember that. Because whatever you do in returning to God, God will take that and use it in your life in incredible ways, ways you've never experienced before. So this text is one of those texts that people often misunderstand and now you understand the heart of it all, return to me." Today I wanna talk to you about what God says here and about things God wants for us and things God wants from us. So you can see this breakdown over these next few moments. What does God want for me? That's what this text really talks about. And then what does God want from me? God wants one thing in this text, from the people, but he wants so much for them. I don't know if it's ever occurred to you today. The God of the universe wants things for you. He wants a life for you. He wants character for you. He wants blessing for you. What does God want for me? So go to verse seven and you'll see it right there in the text. It says that God wants for us in verse 12, all the nations will call you blessed for you shall be a delightful land. In other words, I want the people who follow me to be blessed to such a degree that everyone around them sees the blessing in their lives and says, how does that happen? Now, you need to know that the word blessing today is not some prosperity kind of word uh, that prosperity preachers and teachers use today. But the word blessing in the Old Testament Hebrew means to progress, to advance ahead, to move forward. And God says to his people, I want you to progress. I want you to grow. I want you to move forward. But many of them had begun to withheld their offerings from God, withhold their worship from God, withhold their obedience from God, and they just weren't going to progress. You know, sometimes when a pastor preaches, he gets real personal with his congregation today. I'll, I'll get personal with you about the fact that we have more than 4,000 active families in this church. Earlier I said 4,000 active people. I meant 4,000 active family units in this church. Sometimes the family is a family of one. Sometimes it's of two and five or seven and whatever it might be. But there are 4,000 active family units in our church, but less than half of them are walking in obedience in the way of giving and consequently are missing the blessing this text talks about. Let me tell you what I want for you as a pastor. I want you to experience the blessing of Almighty God. I want you to experience the blessing of how God works through your finances, works through your daily life, works through your relationship. I want you to know the blessing of incredible worship where you see and know God in a very personal way. But so many of us won't because we don't. We won't because we don't believe God, we don't obey God. So many reasons why people don't give to God. A recent survey named a bunch of them, I'll name a few of them. Sometimes people say, well, it's all mine anyway, why should I give? Does God need my money? And the answer, of course, is no, He doesn't need your money, but He he asks you to walk in the balance of giving to Him. And it's not all yours besides that. All things belong to God. You belong to God. Your life belongs to God. Your heart doesn't beat all by itself without the hand of God. Another beat, another day, another year of your life. Doesn't happen without God's favor in your life. It's all God's. Sometimes people say tithing is not in the New Testament. If you're going to teach that we're supposed to give about 10% of our income to God, well, that's not in the New Testament, but it's one of the most clearly validated practices of the New Testament church all the way through the Old Testament, before the law, after the law. When Jesus came to fulfill the law, he didn't revise spirituality downward. Some say, well, God will provide through other people, and yet... Even though God does provide through other people, He wants you to participate. He wants you to be blessed He wants to use you in a supernatural way. I've heard people say, well, my gifts don't really count because I don't have much to give and someone else has a lot to give, so I don't have much. And if you read the Bible, you'll see Jesus told an amazing story about a widow who gave a mite, the smallest kind of coin. And he pointed that out to all the religious leaders who were concerned about giving, concerned about money. He said, that widow gave more than every one of you. Her little was much in the eyes of God. Don't worry about whether your gifts really count. They do count. Some say, I will give when I can afford it. But if you wait, you'll probably never will give. The more money we make, this is a research fact, the more money we make, the less we give away. Isn't that amazing? Mm -hmm. And finally, another reason is I'm afraid to give. Sometimes people are just afraid to give. They're afraid to part with something because They're not sure that God will meet their need, but my encouragement to you today is look at what God's Word says. Look at the people around you that have practiced this for years and and know and can validate that God has blessed them in incredible ways. God wants blessings for you. Let's talk about some of those blessings. The first one this text talks about is the blessing of His presence. Go back to verse seven. Return to me and I will return to you. Let me tell you something. You know what it's like to have an accelerating relationship with someone, a relationship where you're thrilled to be with them, where they're thrilled to be with you, where you learn from them, where you enjoy their presence and time with them. If you've ever experienced anything like that, or if you haven't, but you long for that, you know how important it is. And what God is saying here is, I'm going to give you the greatest relational experience on the planet. I'm going to return to you when you return to me. If you want to experience God, come back to God and he'll come back to you. I've always said this to people who say, oh, I'm too far gone. God can't love me. God can't forgive me. I'm so far gone. And all through the Bible, God says, nothing is impossible with God. Come to me, return to me, and I will return to you. How many in this room have experienced that personally? Would you just raise your hand if you have? And I want you to look around the room. Hundreds of people raise their hand and say, I've returned to God and he's returned to me. The blessing of his presence is incredible. You know, people give so much, spend so much. Go to such the nth degree in order to experience something. Did you know if you want to experience the climb up Mount Everest, it only costs $70,000 for you to do that. And yet there are people everywhere that pay $70,000 to climb up a cold mountain. Right? If you want to do that, that's cool. But I'm not going to spend $70,000 to climb up a cold mountain. Some of us spend money skydiving. We spend money with all kinds of experiences. But I can tell you, no matter what great experience you desire to experience in your life, nothing will beat the experience of walking with God. Nothing at all. There's nothing that will give you more of a thrill. Nothing that will give you more insight, more wisdom. And God continually invites us. The word come. It's all the way through the Bible. First in the garden where Adam and Eve sinned against God, and God came to them in the garden and said, where are you? Come walk with me. And Isaiah the prophet says, come reason with me. The Bible says that Jesus made these words, these statements. He says, come to me, all you that are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. And he further said, all who come to me, I will in no way cast out. The Bible talks about the book of Revelation where in the last book of the Bible, the Spirit and the bride say to all of humanity, come, whoever wants to drink of the water of life, come, whoever wants to know God, come. Well, what an amazing opportunity we have to experience the presence of God in our lives. David used to say this in the book of Psalms. He would say, better is one day in your courts than 10,000 anywhere else. How long has it been since you've experienced God in your life, where He's led you, where He's directed you, where He's blessed you, where He's spoken to you, where He's answered a prayer, where He's walked with you, where He's worked on you, where He's worked in you? How long has it been? And the answer to that will always be, if it's been a while, return to Him, and He'll return to you. Secondly, this text deals with the blessing of provision. Somebody say the word provision. Provision is where God meets our need. Provision is where, where we have a need and we can't meet it, but God can meet it. And we see it in verse 10. After he calls them to tithe, he said, try me now in this if I will not open for you the window of heaven. This is the only place in the Bible. Cut this. The only place in the Bible where God says, try me, is try me. I don't know if you have that kind of terminology in your life where you uh, have some surprise, you have something planned for someone and they're kind of skeptical about it. And so you just say, just try me. Just test me and see if it won't be a blessing in your life. I I kind of have done that with some of my kids when we were anticipating great uh, things to give them on a birthday or something like that, some blessing in their life. And they look kind of skeptical, kind of dubious. And I would say, trust me. You're going to want to experience this, right? This is what God is saying. Trust me. If you'll return to me, what you experience is going to be amazing. Trust me in this. God only says that once in the Bible. Connected with return to me. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to suggest, I'm going to hope, I'm going to pray that all of you students that are in camp this week will trust God with this. Try God with this. See if God doesn't do something in your life as a result of you running to him returning to Him. But in the way of money, trust, trust me now in this, try me now in this. Here's what God's saying. God wants us to see His direct provision unexpe- unexplained by anything else. This is not God will give you a really great job. This is not God will help you win the lottery. This is not God will help you inherit an oil well. This is not what this is. This is about God personally, supernaturally meeting the needs that you have in ways that you can only explain by saying it had to be God. That's what you'll experience when you're faithful with giving and generosity. I've told this story a lot because it's so meaningful to me because it happened 27 years ago and it stands out as a big moment in my life where I saw God provide in a supernatural way, a personal way, an unusual way. The church I was pastoring at the time was about to do something with their buildings, and so I was led by the Lord to give an amount to this building focus that was pretty large. In fact, it was so large, that uh, I didn't know how we could do it, didn't work out the calculator, but I definitely felt impressed by the Lord. And one of the things that I knew would happen as a result of this commitment is I would not be able to purchase any more clothes. At the time, my suits were getting kind of worn out and, and, and uh, needed to uh, be updated. And I was planning on doing that until I uh, felt led by the Lord to give us And I thought, oh, well, God will provide clothes if he wants me to have uh, new suits and new clothes. I trust him with that. So we went ahead with the commitment wasn't long later that a pastor friend of mine in Tennessee called and said, I heard you coming this way. I want you to stop by on a Sunday morning on your way to this convention I was going to that he knew about. So we went uh, to his church in Chattanooga, Tennessee on that Sunday. Now, this guy was my size or bigger. He was 6'6", weighed about 280 pounds. Uh, He had been really blessed, and he'd gained a lot of weight, and he had outgrown all his suits that someone had miraculously provided for him. So this guy had all kinds of tater-made suits and all kinds of clothing that he couldn't wear anymore. He knew about me. We were friends. He said, drop by. So I dropped by, my wife and I and six kids in a suburban on vacation two days into the trip, reaching the point of insanity almost, almost there. We stopped for worship. The guy said, meet me afterwards at my car. And his name was Wayne Barber. And Wayne began to pull suits out of his car and give them to me. Well, if you're packed and have six kids and you're going to vacation, there's not much room left in the car. I mean, it wasn't a bus, right? It was just a suburban. So I began to put these two or three suits in the back. And I shut the back deck. And he said, nope. Open it back up. He gets more from his car. I stuff them in. He said, don't. Just leave it open. Don't close it. So he kept giving me suits and kept giving me, I didn't even have time to look at them anymore. I didn't have time to peruse them or look them over or to see if they'd fit. I kept stuffing them man. When we stuffed as much as we could in the back, we went through the back seat. I said, kids, move over. Dad's got some new clothes. You need to move over. <laughs> we stuffed them that way. When we got to the hotel that night, we decided to take them all out because surely they're wrinkled and we wondered what they were all, number, what, the, what the number of them was and so forth. So there's... The hotel had this big closet, big wooden dowel for a closet rod, and we took them and laid them all out. We estimated more than $6,000 worth of clothes was given to me that day, and every one of them fit me like it was tailor-made. That night, we went to bed, those clothes hanging on that wooden dowel. In the middle of the night, we heard an explosion, or at least she heard an explosion and woke me up. Some of you don't know me very well. She heard an explosion and woke me up. And I said, what? And she said, the dowel broke. And all the clothes were on the ground. And I promise you, the moment that happened, my mind went right to Malachi three ten: Test me now in this and see if I will not prove for you I will open the windows of heaven and give you a blessing you cannot even contain or receive. That's personal. That's supernatural. That's tailor-made. I still have a couple of those suits in my closet 27 years later. I don't wear them often, but I'll never forget. That when you believe God for provision, when you believe God for generosity, God will demonstrate to you that you cannot hold the blessings that He will pour out on your life. He provides when we obey, when we give, when we wait. And you can go Dutch without God and pay for everything yourself, or you can trust God to take care of things you need Him to take care of. This last weekend, we were gone, I heard Russell Gregory preached a great message last weekend. Don't clap. He already has a big head about this message. He did a great (laughs) job. Jimmy Draper came up to me a few moments ago before the early service and said, Russell really preached a great message last week. You've got a lot to live up to. I said, well, thanks, Jimmy. I really appreciate that. (laughs) Good job, Russell. We took our kids out to eat. All six adult kids were there at the time. And thank the Lord, all six have jobs. Somebody say amen. Somebody say oh, big amen. Students, let me just remind you this. You want to make parents and grandparents happy? Get a job after you get through school. Amen. Amen, everybody. Get a job after school. So all of them have jobs. And for the first time in my parenting career, we're sitting down to dinner at a restaurant. Everybody's got the menus. And I said, could I have your attention for a moment? I said, today we're going to go Dutch. And my youngest two or three look at each other and say, what's that mean? What's, what's it mean to go Dutch? I mean, they're 22, 24, 26. and so They don't know what Dutch means yet. It means you pay for it yourself. My youngest daughter was going, I've never had to pay for my own food before in my whole life. We're going Dutch. I want to tell you the freedom and the liberality that brought me, the joy, just the joy that brought me. <laughs> they learned that not everything's a free ride, but here's the deal. They learned that if you're going to go Dutch, you're going to pay for it yourself. I do not want to go Dutch with God. I want to follow God. I want to be led by God. I want to be generous with God and all He asked me to do, but I want God to bless me with the blessing He promises right here. Listen, don't try to go life on your own. Don't try to do finances on your own. Don't try to do life without God. Do life with God. Return to me, and I'll return to you. That's what the Word says. The blessing of His provision. Now, those of you that, that are here understand when we say the miracle. Amen. How many were here with a miracle? Would you raise your hand if you were here when the miracle took place? Uh, we saw God remove six point seven dollars or $8 million worth of debt on the week after That debt was removed. We still had $380,000 given to that particular fund, and we were able to launch ministry into the community. Ultimately, six stones came as a result of the generosity of people here. Do you know what this means? It means that God blessed us as a church so greatly that we were able to bless our community. what it means. It means the blessing of provision happens whenever we're faithful to God with our giving. So the blessing of his presence, the blessing of his provision, and then lastly, the blessing of his protection. He says, I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. Basically says, God says, I'll keep what destroys your plants and your fruit away from your fields. Because this is an agricultural society. They made their food. They planted seeds in the ground, expected rain to come, prayed that God would keep away the locusts and the grasshoppers and the hessian flies from eating their crops so that they could actually eat, which we don't see so much today. I had a farmer in my church when I pastored as a young man, and this guy would come to church in his overalls that were still dirty from working in the fields that morning. This guy's name was Orla. This is the style he had. Orly would put a diaper in one back pocket, a diaper in another back pocket, and take his grandkid out in the field all day to ride on the tractor and to be in the crops. That's just how he lived life. He discipled his grandson by taking him out to the field. And Orly came to me one day and said, you know, that passage in Malachi 3 that we're talking about today, he said, Do you know that passage? I said, yes, he said, that's a real deal. He said, I know that there are seasons where locusts and grasshoppers and hessian flies come in and I won't have any crops if God does not hold them back, if God does not somehow keep me from having all these things eat the crops up, there's no amount of dusting I can do, no amount of poison that will keep them away. I trust God with my finances. And that's what this group of people were learning to do, trust God with everything in the way of the crops, that God would rebuke the devourer. Now, I know that you understand what it means to have a devourer in your life. Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, he said, The thief comes to rob and kill and destroy, but I've come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. We've all experienced a devourer.